Hey guys, Zach back again with Vox Day Monicus. Thanks as always for tuning in. Really quick before we get started, just a quick reminder to like, share, and subscribe if you would like to and enjoy what you're hearing on the podcast. That really helps us get our demonic message out there, and I just appreciate it on a personal level. So thank you if you choose to do that. All right, getting into it, guys. What are we talking about today? As always, chaos, but definitely not thousand suns. Why, you may ask? Well, mostly because I'm a lazy sack of shit. Um, and I honestly just uh, didn't have, did not have time to do my due diligence. Um, definitely interested in having conversations around Thousand Sons because some of the stuff that I've seen about them makes the new book look really interesting. Um, yeah, and definitely want to engage and have some conversations with Thousand Sons players. So hit me up on Facebook if that describes you. And uh, I guess I should be a little bit more specific if you being a competitive player that plays Thousand Sons, if that describes you, hit me up. We'd love to have you on the show. I will admit that I do have a little bit of FOMO, uh, of course, that being fear of missing out over the new Thousand Sons. We knew this was going to happen when I sold my Thousand Sons. Um, and so here we are getting my just desserts. Um, but it was very nice you know, to pay a mortgage payment with what I sold them for. So that's tight. Anyhow, guys, we're not talking about Thousand Sons specifically today because what we're going to be talking about mostly is the Games Workshop uh, Roadshow, the Open in Orlando. I was um, very fortunate to attend. Um, in fact, I was asked to judge the event, and so I was there in a semi-official capacity. Um, actually, I mean, it was just a straight-up official capacity. Um, and I uh, just want to kind of talk through the Roadshow, my overall impressions of it, uh, and then share with you guys a little bit more information uh, kind of about upcoming Roadshows. Um, yeah. Of course, this wouldn't be an episode of Vox Demonicus if we did not focus on all things chaotic. And so we are going to talk through uh, a list, uh, specifically the list of Mark Aisht. And Mark, I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. If you listen to this show by chance, uh, please correct me if not. Um, yeah, so we're going to talk through um, Mark's list. I did have the pleasure of speaking with Mark for a little while at the event. I did... Uh, completely forget to bring up that I run a podcast about chaos um, and that I was going to feature it on him. So hopefully he doesn't mind me talking about it, but I doubt he'll mind a little bit of attention. Um, Mark did finish, I believe, seventh overall and was therefore the best placed um, chaos player at the event. Um, and, you know, generally just that's a that's a very high ranking seventh out of, a, you know, about 200. Um, yeah, so good. So, um, cool, that's kind of our uh, table of contents or agenda for what we're gonna be talking about today. So, if you guys don't mind, just hold on for a quick second so that I can grab a sip of water and then we will get right into it. All right, guys, hold on for a second. Okay. Back from getting a sip of water. Appreciate the indulgence. Let's talk about the GW Open in Orlando. Like I said just a second ago, I was fortunate enough to be offered the opportunity to judge at the event. I was one of, uh, I want to say, five or six judges. Um, I'm not sure on the specific number because we had a couple of guys that kind of floated in between. But yeah, overall, what a fantastic opportunity. I was so happy and honored um, to be asked to do that and immediately jumped at the opportunity. Um, I, I believe I've covered on the show that I was, you know, going to be there in some capacity at the time, you know, still was kind of working out the logistics of was it going to be possible for me to judge or was I going to play? Um, clearly, I was going to be there either way um, and just got to do it in this capacity. And, 
you know what? I'll, I'll be honest with you guys. This was my first major. And so, um, you know, judging at my first major is pretty interesting and a little bit outside of the norm. But, you know, I think it really worked out um, and we're going to get into it. But I'll say front out, uh, you know, right out from the gate that um, I, I think that this has set the standard for what major events should be, at least in my mind, um, even as a relatively uh, newcomer uh, to the major scene. So, yeah, let's talk about this. Um, judges, you know, obviously it was myself. Um, Rob Hawkins was also in attendance as a judge. I've talked about Rob, and he'll definitely be on the show here in the next couple of months uh, as he is a top-rated Demons player. Um, so, yeah, we had the local judges, of course, that being Rob and myself. Then we also had a few judges that were a little bit more familiar with the Nova fo- format, uh, specifically Curtis and, of course, uh, you know Mike Brandt, who is the uh, head of community and events for Games Workshop and also the founder of Nova. Um, you know, uh, obviously there we kind of followed a Nova format with Mike at the head of things. Um and then we also had Salty John of uh, Las Vegas Open judging in TFG Radio fame. Uh, and I do just want to say that John is a lovely person to be around in real life. Um, I, I did not catch any of that salt, so I'm not sure if that's a character or what's going on there, if he just saves it all up. But John's a great guy. Um, and um, yeah, and then we also had a couple of uh, Games Workshop employees that are full-time Um that have also, prior to being with Games Workshop, had a hand in some of the larger events that the competitive uh, scene has had lately. Um, you know, specifically Nate, who uh, was one of the main guys from the Dallas Open, and I believe also judged at the Lone Star Open. So overall, you know, uh, myself excluded, kind of a murderer's row or a um, dream team of judges is who we had. You know, like I said, pulled across, uh, pulled across the map. Uh, to Florida, we had guys from California, Texas, and of course, you know, Florida to represent kind of the three major areas of the meta, in my opinion, at least. And also that really was great in that it gave us three different judging philosophies that we could all kind of meld. Um, and I think personally made me a much better TO and judge. Um, yeah, great. So, I mean, that that was uh, who we had there in an official capacity, along with, you know, a few other uh, Games Workshop folks doing stuff like running the store and just general event support. Um, started out on Friday morning, bright and early, 8.30 showtime, 9.30 dice. Um, we had 196 players at uh, round one. I believe our capacity was closer to 254. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, Delta is a thing and people need to do what they feel is best for their safety. And so we only had 196 uh, roll dice in that first round. Um, you know, and just like any other tournament, we dropped a couple of people here and there um, throughout the course of the rounds, you know, due to just life happening or not wanting to play anymore. or This, that and the other, you know, whatever reason. Um, I think uh, by our seventh round on Sunday, which was after the best overall cutoff. Uh, which I'll talk about here in a little bit. I think we still had about 120 players playing. So about a third of the field, you know, decided to drop when it uh, quote unquote didn't matter anymore. Um, What I mean by that was uh, the first six games that we played. So Friday and Saturday's games were what mattered for your best overall score, which was also combined, um, excuse me, your record and your battle points that was combined with how you did on paint. So those were just the two things that, 
combined for your best overall. And people did drop. Of course, we had two more games on Sunday. And unlike other events, you know, you didn't have to pay an extra fee to be in those two games that was included in your entry fee. And um, those two games did also count for your overall major score. Um, of course, this was a major, like I've said about 15 times in the last couple of minutes. Um, and it's going to count for ITC points. So those two points, those two games there counted. And people that stuck around are going to have much higher ITC scores than the people that dropped. Um, but yeah, um, cool, cool, cool. Um, so to kind of break things down, of course, Mr. Cannon Biggs out of Miami playing Admech. He won our best overall. He had a really fantastically painted army. Um, he did lose a couple of games, but with the way that scoring works out in the GW events, you can lose one or two games and then still win overall. Um, specifically because paint counts for about half of your score. Um, I'm going to get into that here in a little bit. Um, so yeah, we'll talk about paint, but overall, you know, big congrats out to Cannon, to Mr. Biggs, who has a great name, by the way. Um, he, he's also an absolute gentleman. Uh, I've mentioned a couple of times that I'm in Brohammer, Um, and, uh, you know, after the event, um, all the guys from Miami were kind of giving, uh, excuse me, all the guys in Brohammer were giving the dudes down in Miami a bunch of shit for not letting us know about Cannon because a lot of us just hadn't uh, talked to Cannon yet, and it was a real pleasure to meet him because he's definitely, uh, you know, one of those pillars of the hobby, and uh, we're happy that he's kind of out there and uh, has done well. Of course, Mr. Richard Siegler, the machine, uh, the unfeeling machine, uh, has won, won best general. Uh, he went undefeated for the weekend, beating John Lennon out, who did come in second. Um, beat him out on stream at the top table in the final round. Jack Harpster came in third, I believe, and then Steve Tremble rounded out the top four. Quick note, Jack Harpster did actually receive the Battlemaster Award, which was the highest overall battle points. Um, he doesn't, of course, get to engrave his name on those hammers, which are called the Eternal Awards. Um, that's going to go, I believe, to uh, Cannon and uh, Richard um, for their big wins. Um so yeah, but hey, Battlemaster is a pretty cool thing thing to win. And hey, you know, shout out to Steve Trimble, a good buddy of mine. He lived here in Jacksonville for a little while. I believe he lives out in uh, Washington or Oregon now as part of his military service. He's a great dude um, and good to see him doing well. Um, yeah, so congratulations to the top four and really to everyone. Um, I do, oh yeah, and a special shout out, of course, uh, Best Painted went to my good buddy Jake Thayer. Um, I don't think I've shared pictures of his display board, but of course, Jacob is in fact a filthy Xenos Orcs player, um, but he makes it a lot of fun, similar to a lot of the Orcs players. He has a, um, it's probably a two or three foot tall display board called the Daka Shack. Um, and it's just kind of hard to put into words, but it's almost like a, um, a water tower built into the side of a mountain with just a bunch of orcs crawling all over it. He's got a big neon sign that says Daka Shack, and there's all kinds of crazy cool shit go going on. Um, very much the kind of rickety, ramshackle um, type stuff that you would expect from an orc player. And Jake really personifies that. So big shout out to him. He's been making the rounds uh, in the competitive circuit down here in Florida and across the Southeast this year winning a lot of awards for paint, so look out for him. Um, and check out him and his team. Uh, they call themselves the Hobby Goblins. Um, I've mentioned Dan Cardona before on the show, and I've also mentioned Rob Hawkins. They roll around with that crew. Um, and we here at Vox de Monicus love our good buddies and Hobby Goblins, and it's great to see them w doing well and really, um, you know, 
being rewarded and recognized throughout the hobby um, for the hard work and the good work that they do. So again, big shout out, big congratulations, not only to Jacob Thayer, but also to all our good friends over at the Hobby Goblins for that recognition that they're getting. On that note, I do want to talk about paint. Um, I'm not going to go too specifically into the rubric that we used because I don't want to reveal too much, but suffice it to say that paint is extremely important at these Games Workshop events. Of course, Games Workshop, you know, does intend these to be a celebration of the hobby as a whole. Um, and so excelling in both your competitive play and the work that you do before the tournament in painting and preparing your army will be very rewarding. Again, not to go into the details, but, you know, if a person with a poor paint job shows up and even wins out all eight games, they're not going to win best overall. It's mathematically impossible. Um, yeah, you know, one thing I have seen online, people are a little bit salty uh, after the event because there were a couple of non-battle-ready armies in attendance. First of all, I think it's a little bit shitty to judge other people for what they brought. Um, you know, battle-ready is the standard, and Games Workshop, very thoughtfully, more than a year ago, when they wrote out 9th edition, put in punishment inherent to the game for not having your, battle, your, your army battle-ready. And we as a community don't need to pile in on that. Um, yeah. So anyhow, there were a lot of people before the event that were complaining about the battle ready standard being in effect, which is one dumb because it's a games workshop, you know, event. They're going to use their own rules. And then it was very interesting because right after the event, wouldn't you know it, people were pissed that the battle ready standard wasn't brutally enforced, which is an interesting little dichotomy, guys. Very fun. Um, anyhow, yeah, to peek behind the veil, a non-battle-ready army at this event and at New Orleans and in Austin for the next two events earned you a zero on paint, and it also gained you an instant negative 10 victory points across every single game. So if we do math, that's negative 80 points. Getting a zero is taking away half of your score, and then those negative 80 points is knocking that down further. So while Games Workshop isn't gonna beat you up and kick you out for not having paint on your shit, you're absolutely still gonna sit in the bottom half of the overall rankings. So guys, you know, I, I think that we all need to recognize that part of this hobby is one, painting your models, but also understanding that if someone doesn't paint at a professional standard, that's okay. You know, it's fully within the reach of every person in this hobby to get their army to a battle-ready standard. And of course, I'm aware, you know, some people do have, you know, certain limitations or disabilities that make that difficult. But hey, you know what, this is a strong community that has good people in it. If you're one of those people that does have one of those issues, I'd say, hey man, reach out to your buddy, you know, and see if he can help you paint some stuff up. That's why we have friends in this hobby to help us. And also, you know, just to have friends. I'm making it sound like a very transactional thing and that's not really what I intend. But yeah, basically, that's my thing on paint. I think everybody out there, you know, is able and capable of doing it. And so I think you should because, you know, one, it's part of this hobby. Two, it shows respect for your opponent when you show up with a fully painted army. And three, there's a lot of benefit to it. I get a lot of therapeutic effect out of painting. I know not everyone does, um, and I understand that. And so, you know, the way that you enjoy your hobby isn't the way that I enjoy mine. But I think that painting is important and just doing, you know, a little bit of work here and there will really get you to that 2000 point very quickly. I think you'll all be surprised. 
Okay, anyhow, so I'm going to get off my paint horse because I didn't even mean to go on a rant there, but here we are. It's what happens when you get one man alone in the eye of terror just ranting. Great. Quality podcasting, guys. It's amazing. <laughs> anyhow, um, yeah, so overall, you know, th- this was an absolutely fantastic event. I worked something like 55 hours over the course of four days. And while it was certainly hectic bordering on chaotic even, it does seem like everyone that attended had a great time. Um, I've yet to receive any real negative feedback or criticism. Of course, there have been, you know, minor, hey, this could have been better. Hey, what did you guys think about doing this? Or, you know, yada, yada, yada. But that's constructive criticism. And I, you know, I welcome that. And I'm very happy to pass that on to the Games Workshop crew. And they've been more than accepting of it and look to integrate it into their future events. So keep that kind of stuff coming. But like I said, no major issues that I'm aware of. Um, you know, and terrain was also extremely well received. I would assume some of you are listening just to hear me talk about terrain because it's been a bit of a hot button issue. Um, you know, the acrylic basing that went underneath the terrain pieces, you know, quite a few people, including myself, admittedly, were hesitant um, on that acrylic basing before the tournament, um, you know, started. However, it went over extremely well, and a lot of people, myself included, um, were very very quickly won over um, by it. I'll admit that I also wasn't a fan of Games Workshop Terrain before this event. Um, I don't think I've ever come out and said that. I, I preferred other um, other providers. However, after this event and spending as much time as I did around Games Workshop Terrain, um, I was completely sold, especially with those acrylic bases, um, you know, adding to the overall footprint of terrain. You know, I, I can't I can't tell you how well that really worked for ensuring we had appropriate amounts of obscuring terrain. Um, and then how easy that also made, you know, just rearranging tables. Cause we did shift table layouts uh, the night or evening of day one. Um, yeah. So anyhow, big fan of the terrain. So far, no real negative, um, like serious negative feedback. Everyone seems to have a great time. And um, yeah, I mean, clearly I'm very biased, but I think this was a really well-run event. The team that put on the show has only been together for about two weeks. And that's not including the guys that were kind of there on a temp status, like myself and Rob. Um, And so it's pretty impressive that they were able to not only pull this off, but really knock it out of the park. Um, I will also say, you know, that I absolutely love the group of dudes uh, that they pulled together on this. just really some top quality people um, that are a perfect combination of work ethic and passion for the hobby. And um, I'm very excited to see what this group can do once they've matured just a little bit as a team. I think they're rocking and rolling right now. And clearly they just put on a great event. So they're there, but you know, every team and every group of people, you know, needs a little chance to mature and kind of grow into themselves. And I think here in, you know, a couple of weeks or months, once they've had that opportunity to do that and put on another event, we're going to see some truly great things out of the um, Games Workshop North American events team. Um, and I shouldn't even say North American because I honestly don't know what the scope is here. I think there's a UK events team, but I'm not on, honestly sure. I'm just excited because, you know, like I've said before, I'm happy the Games Workshop is actively taking steps in this hobby to be more engaged. And I welcome it. And, you know, that's been justified and uh, reinforced by what I saw this weekend from Games Workshop employees. And so I'm very happy uh, that this is the team that we've been provided um, and is going to keep delivering quality events to this um, 
to this community that I cherish. Anyhow, you know, I will say that I have been asked to attend the New Orleans and Austin Opens as a judge. Um, and I can confidently say that, you know, if things work out from a logistical point of view with work and time off and, you know, just life in general, I'm definitely going to be there. Like I said, I had a shitload of fun, even though I worked my tail off. Um, it, it was just fun doing it. All right, cool. Well, that's it. That went way longer than I expected, but clearly I'm very passionate and had a great time about the event in Orlando. And, you know, I, I hope that if you guys are geographically close or even if you're not and it's feasible, I'd really love to meet you guys at the New Orleans event or the Austin event. Or, hey, you know, come down to Florida for an event that I'm playing or Georgia or wherever. I don't care. I just like to meet you guys because I love this community. That's the whole reason that we're here doing this podcast. All right. Anyhow, been running my suck for about 17 minutes now. So I'm going to take another break, get another sip of that sweet, delicious water. And then we're going to be back to talk about Mark's list really quickly. All right. Thanks, guys. Hold on for just a second. All right, and we are back from my water slash ad break. Thank you for hanging out with me. We're going to talk about some motherfucking chaos now. I appreciate you guys sticking around while I ranted about uh, the Games Workshop event. Like I said, clearly passionate, clearly not rung in by a second host. Maybe we should change that. Who knows? All right, guys. So, like I said, Mark Aster. Aced. Again, Mark, I'm sorry, I'm butchering your name. I just sent you a friend request. Add me and we can talk um, and I can correct. Uh, and maybe you'll be on the show to tell me about your list. Who knows? We'll find out. Like I said, Mark took seventh place overall, which, you know, is a princely finish when you consider that he it was a 196-player event when we started and who came in ahead of him. I mean, we're looking at some of the top guys in Warhammer 40,000 right now. Um, so, yeah, Mark did great. Um, and he did it with chaos. And so he is our prince for the day. So in his list, let's talk about it. We have your man, the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, the demon, demon prince, the first demon. He's got other names. I'm rambling. Bellacor. Bellacor was in the list, of course. He was in a Zinch detachment, which I'm going to talk about a little bit later on. Um, and in that Zinch detachment, he also had the Lord of Change, the well-known unkillable chicken, of course. Um... And then uh, 10 brimstone whores that were just kind of hanging out there, sucking up that sweet little troop spot in that patrol detachment. And then eight flamers split into a five-man and a three-man. Oh, yeah, and he also had your standard-issue squad of furies for all those Retrievoctarius datas that they were going to do. Then it looks like we've got an undivided detachment. The undivided detachment has a contorted epitome and an exalted keeper of secrets, along with 10 demonets, uh, so clearly a patrol. I'm honestly not sure why this is an undivided detachment. Um, everything in it is Mark of Slanesh. So maybe there's a galactic brain type thing that I'm not really thinking of um, here, or it could have just been an issue with his list. Um, fortunately, it wouldn't really matter because he does have a Slanesh patrol detachment right after that with two exalted keepers and 10 demonettes. So most likely with the size of the base of those two exalted keepers in the Slanesh detachment um, and their auras, uh, the advance and charge that he was clearly going for um, with that detachment wouldn't have been an issue. Um, I'd be interested to talk to Mark about that and see if that was just kind of an issue with how he formatted his list and like 
forgot to press a button in Battle Scribe or what happened there. Or, hey, you know what? Maybe he's a lot smarter than I am. Uh, he's done better at a major than I've ever done, so it's a distinct possibility. Um, yeah, so overall, uh, you know, pretty simple list. Um, clearly, it punches you directly in your goddamn face, um, which is what I like about it, because if you guys haven't figured it out, I like lists that hit hard. Um, everything in this list, with the exception of the chicken, is advance and charge from that Slanesh Loki. Uh, or loci that I mentioned. Um, and we do have some shenanigans tossed into Bellicor from that Zinch Locus. Um, it is Locus, isn't it? Because Locus is singular and Loki is plural. <laughs> Today you learned. Didn't know you were coming to the grammar podcast, didn't you, motherfucker? Good. Well, now you're here. Anyhow, Zinch Locus, back on topic. So the Zinch Locus, um, it's like Locus of Trickery or something like that. And basically, at the beginning of your fight phase, and, of course, I'll say that it only affects units within six of a Zinch detachment character, just like the other loci. Um, you, you basically roll two dice at the beginning of the fight phase, and you discard the highest one. So if you roll a three and a six, you discard that six. However, that three means that every unmodified three that your opponent rolls to hit in the fight phase does not hit. So when you think about Bellicor, who is neg one to hit inherently... Um, I think that might just be in shooting, though. I could look it up, but I'm a shithead and won't. Anyhow, no rerolls against him. Neg one to wound. And now we're just tossing out 16% of your hit rolls. Um, that's a pretty big little um, fuck fuck game that you're playing with your opponent's dice. Um, I, I think it's um, I think it's criminally underrated. It was not used much, much in 8th edition from what I could tell. I ran a couple of practice games with it, but my list was kind of bad, and I just couldn't really get it to work. Um, yeah, but it, it's really a hilariously janky thing on Bellacor when you consider all the other different buffs uh, and things that he inherently has on his data sheet. Definitely something to check out if you're a uh, Demons player out there um, that wants to, uh, you know, kind of insert a little bit of booty pain into your list for your opponent. Um, yeah. Uh, all right, so obviously the... Let, let's just say it out loud. All the keepers that are there to punch things and get shot. Um, and they punch things very good. Um, the mirror, um, that's kind of there to prevent things from falling back, of course, and giving you a couple more casts. Like I mentioned earlier, we've got our requisite squad of Zinch Furies. They're there to do actions, just like they kind of always do. Same with the Demonettes. Um, I would assume that he's got them here for actions, objective holding, and then just general screening duty. And uh, again, kind of same with the brimstones. Um, you know, obviously they're brims and he doesn't have summoning points. So there's two things that aren't allowing him to split. Uh, so it's none of that Brian Malpass bullshit that we've been on. And we love Brian. It was very nice to meet you, by the way, Brian, finally, for the first time. Um, <laughs> Brian also did pretty well. I want to say he was top 20. So we had two great Demons players in there doing well. Um, yeah, anyhow. So getting back to it, we've got Flamers in here. Flamers, I would assume he's deep striking one or two of those squads and then just shitting out mortals onto something unsuspected, um, you know, as one does. Chicken, um, I think that's there. Uh, one to suck up damage, two to do psychic, excuse me, psychic secondaries if he chooses to. Um, and then uh, three to uh, just do mortal wounds and kind of plink damage off of things pretty reliably. Um, yeah, so I really like this list a lot. You know, it, it's, it's fast, it hits hard. 
um, and it's janky and just, you know, makes people sad. And we, we shouldn't, you know, try to make people sad in the game, but this one does it and it's a little fun. Um, there's a simplicity and an elegance in the way it punches you in the gut. And I'm kind of all about that. Um, you know, like I said earlier, I had the distinct pleasure of speaking with Mark for a few moments at the event and he is an absolute gentleman. Uh, so I'm very happy to see him win. Of course, he flies under the flag or runs underneath the flag of the Army Esports team and their entire team's pretty great. You know, I, I've you know, had the fortune of, you know, dealing with them several times and they do, you know, great credit upon their service. Um, I don't know that if I've covered it, but I was in the Marine Corps for 10 years before I, you know, fell to chaos and started living in the Eye of Terror. Um, so there's a little bit of, you know, professional rivalry there, um, all of it in good nature, fun though. Um, and it, it's just great to see, you know, Mark and his team doing well, um, just like all the other people that came out and did a great job at this tournament. Um, yeah, anyhow, I want you guys to tell me what you think about this list. How can we improve it? How can we make it more malevolent and chaotic and put more spikes into it? We always want more spikes, guys. That's what we're here for, more spikes and tentacles. Cool. Well, I've been ranting and screaming at you guys more than usual this episode, and we're at about 30 minutes, so you know what that means. It's time for me to sign off. As always, like and subscribe, all of that good stuff. Very excited to talk to you guys again next week. We do have a fact coming out that I should cover um, if there's anything of uh, value in there. We'll see. Um, yeah, great, guys. Appreciate it, and we'll talk to you later. Bye. Hey guys, Zach from Vox Daemonicus here. Just giving you a quick reminder to check us out on Facebook. We're under Vox Daemonicus there. Uh, go ahead and give that page a like. It's the best way to stay updated on what we're doing around here. And you can also look at stupid memes that I share. Also, if you're able to on the aggregator that you use to listen to podcasts, please leave us a review. That really helps, you know, kind of boost our numbers and uh, expose us to people that haven't found Vox Daemonicus yet. So if you could do those two things, I'd really appreciate it. Thanks for listening today, guys. And as always, debt to the false emperor.